When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in episode 37 of Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always the legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, coming off of uh, championship weekend, hopefully you are doing well, my friend. Uh, crazy to see Brady uh, in another Super Bowl, his 10th Super Bowl in 20 years. Uh, as a Jets fan, obviously I'm sick to my stomach. Um, we'll certainly get into that game and also uh, Chiefs Bills, but uh, – how are you, my friend? Hopefully, uh, always want. Hopefully, you're not uh, too upset at the fact that Tom Brady is in yet another Super Bowl here. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a there's a little bit of, of light at least uh, in that picture that, that you know we'll we'll get to see Mahomes in a second straight Super Bowl. We'll, I'm sure we'll see fireworks. I'm sure we'll see uh, a high scoring game. So, trying to see the the positive in it, but. Uh, I, I definitely hear where you're coming from, and, and I feel a similar way, just getting tired of, of seeing Brady year after year, and now team after team just find a way to get to the Super Bowl. Insane, insane. But we'll certainly get into that, folks, and some more NFL stuff as well, but let's get into today's topics. And now for today's topics. All right, obviously a football-heavy show uh, today, folks. Um, we're going to dive into Championship Weekend. We're going to go into Packers box. We're going to dive into Chiefs Bills. Uh, we're going to talk a little, a little bit of Super Bowl 55, uh, maybe give our previews. We might wait for next week um, for that as well. But uh, got to start here. Um, got to start with the Packers. Um, obviously, the Bucks take this one. Uh, final was 31-26. Obviously, kind of a close matchup there throughout the game. The Bucks kind of dominated. the first, Not dominated, but I think definitely controlled the game in the first half. Um, obviously to cap off that first half with that 39 yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady to Scotty Miller, which reminded me of the jets, uh, tank job and Craig Williams setting the house cover zero blitz, uh, to lose on a hail Mary to Derek Carr. That's at that play. Um, you know, what, what I thought of at least when I saw that play, but then we get to, uh, kind of the second half getting down to the wire, uh, for some reason, uh, the Packers choose to uh, kick a field goal instead of going for a fourth and eight, uh, fourth and goal play. Uh, to me, I, I think this game, and, and we can get into Brady's stats here in a second, but uh, I think you certainly have to look towards the coaching staff of Green Bay uh, and maybe place most of, if not all, of the blame there, uh, you know, in terms of the Packers losing this game. Rodgers, I think, played well enough to win the game, but uh, who do you think from, from that team 
you know, coaching staff players, uh, you know, whether it be the GM for, for drafting your quarterback and not giving Rodgers more help, who do you think from, from that team, that organization deserves most of the blame for, for that loss yesterday? Yeah, I, you know, breaking down this game from, from start to finish, it, as you allude to, the, the first half controlled really by, by the Bucs all the way through. But, um, you know, I, I would say if Rodgers didn't come back in the second half as well as he did, I, I would have put the blame on Rodgers. But, um, you know, he made it a game. I think uh, ultimately, the, you know, the coach kind of reminded me of, uh, of Kingsbury on the, the 49ers when he uh, – you know, made some questionable decisions in the Super Bowl. It's somewhat of a, a similar situation there yesterday where, you know, obviously, you know, you have all three timeouts um, and you got the two-minute warning to play with, uh, you know, in giving the ball back to the Buccaneers in that situation. But um, if you ever have watched football in the last 10, 15 years, you, you always, you know, you see Brady put, the, put together drives at the end of the game, you know, game in, game out playoff game in and game out. So I, I wouldn't have give, given the ball back to them without trying to at least tie the, the ball game at that point. So I'm going to put the most of the blame on the coach um, a little bit on Rogers, not obviously the, the whole amount, but more so the coach. I, I just think that was a boneheaded decision and you play to win the game. Yes. You can't just gamble at all, all the time, but uh, you're down there with, with Rogers, you're down there. Um, you know, in the trenches and, and you're on your home turf. So I just feel like you got to at least go for the touchdown there in such a close game that you fought your way back. I think you're sending the team the wrong message by just taking the field goal and then putting your defense on the field for once again, another drive where you got to stop Brady. So I just, I didn't agree with the call. I, I say the coach deserves more, most of that blame there. I, I agree. I, I didn't agree with it either. I, you know, if, if there's anyone in the world, uh, any wide receiver quarterback duo to trust to get you, you know, eight yards, six yards. I forget what the actual yardage was um, on one play to me. It's probably Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Um, and even Rodgers was, was talking about it himself. There was a couple opportunities, I think on second down, third down um, where he actually could have scrambled up the middle. He got, he gets out of the pocket. His receivers are covered, obviously, in, you know, in that man to man red zone defense, it's tough to find, the open receivers and all that traffic, but he had a couple of lanes open to run, decide to stay sort of behind the line of scrimmage and look for some of his guys in the end zone. I think he figured, and he said this after the game too, I think he was probably going with the thought process of, okay, you know, we have four downs here. Let's take our time. Let's not, you know, do something crazy, protect myself, uh, protect the football and, and we'll live to see another down. But, and I think the defense too, if you pulled some of the guys in the defense, they probably uh, say the exact same thing that in their minds, it would be a no brainer for the Packers to, to go for the touchdown there. Uh, I, I guess that's, you know, I guess Matt LaFleur was thinking, you know, kick the field goal. Our defense has been playing pretty well in the second half. Brady threw three picks. I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, research. I think they were all in the second half. Um, so maybe, you know, he thought they'd get a stop. And, and we'll talk about that, that drive after um, this went down in a second here. But maybe they were, you know, Maybe before was like, hey, well, not let's not risk it. Let's get three points and we'll kind of come back and, and see if we can score a touchdown, you know, to win the game since they were still down by by five points. But to me, I'm kicking that field. I mean, I even I was looking at my dad. I was like, you know, there's no chance they kicked a field goal here, right? And he was like, no, like probably not. And then immediately after that, I think Jim Nance or whatever was saying, you know, they had the field goal unit out, which is pretty funny because. Like two seconds prior, uh, Tony Romo was saying, oh, there's no way they kick a field goal. And then, 
you know, lo and behold, uh, all he had to do was look down to his left and, and, the, and the field goal unit was, was out there. So pretty, pretty nuts to me for, uh, for sure. Yeah, no, I, th- I, you know, we've, we've criticized some coaches for being too aggressive at times, but I just think that, you know, once again, I'm going to bring up the point where you give the ball back to Brady and he know, like, basically regardless, regardless, you're giving the ball back to Brady. So I, in that, in that scenario, I'm going to try and tie the ball game up. You needed the two-point conversion as well. Um, obviously, you remember the the one touchdown uh, where they, they threw the two-point conversion to – I can't remember his – he has two names. He's a wide receiver. Uh, uh, I'm going to absolutely butcher this. It's like equi- uh, equi- Equinemius St. Brown or something like that. It's yeah, St. Yeah, like- Brown, yeah. Um, didn't even really know who that was before this game. I mean, I guess I'm not well well educated enough on the Green Bay Packers, and, and that's I my fault, and the and the and the research department's fault too, for that matter. But <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like you got to you got to at least try and and tie that game before you give the ball back to Brady, and and obviously you know year after year you see what he does on those game winning drives, but um, to give the ball back to them what down five at that point, I, I just felt like that was yeah. that was dumb and. And that almost like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm reading too much into it, but it's you don't trust Rodgers to get that done on, on fourth down. I, I'm definitely, like you said, I mean, I'm I'm rolling the dice with a quarterback like Rodgers and Devontae Adams, you know, you, you name it. You, you throw a screen pass, anything. Like, I would have tried something there and, and at least gave my team a better shot than, than giving the, the Bucks the ball back with, with a five-point, um, you know, basically a five-point advantage at that point. So just kind of yeah. stupid to me. No, hundred percent. If if to me, if you're in the NFC Championship game, and yes, Tom Brady, one one of the best quarterbacks of all time, is is there, is down there. Like, even if it was Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, like I'm not giving the ball back to any of those guys. And you know, it it, it just it, it, we have a league where if you don't have a, a bona fide franchise quarterback, um, you know, on your team, you're probably not going to get that far in the playoffs anyway. So, to me, why not? You know, make put some pressure on him if you convert that. Touchdown! Obviously, you're you're going to be right there. You'd have to get the two point conversion at that point, but you're still tied. And then, you know, kind of have to force Brady, who, you know, outside of outside of that first drive in the third quarter, and then and then they got a field goal sort of later on there in the fourth. They hadn't really done much in the second half. Uh, we mentioned the three picks overall. Brady twenty for thirty six, two eighty uh, in terms of yards, three touchdowns, three picks. Uh, kind of an average day, I guess you would say. I know the man is forty three years old, so. Uh, I don't really think anything he's doing right now is average, but just from a stat line standpoint, I think Rogers certainly um, outplayed him. And that defense actually made a, made a few adjustments and um, were able to do some things against them in the second half. So, you know, and we'll get to, to that drive here. Obviously they, you know, the Buccaneers are able to convert a few first downs. The one to seal the game um, was obviously uh, earned from, you know, by a penalty, uh, you know, obviously pass interference there by, by the Packers defender, um, you know, pulls the jersey, an obvious flop by whoever that wide receiver was. For the guy, the defender pulls his jersey. You'd think he would, you know, come backwards, but instead he acts like he was shot by a sniper on top of the stadium and dives forward and sprawls <laughs> out like he's in a, he's in fucking saving Private Ryan or something. Uh, <laughs> to me, like, that call is kind of bullshit. Like, and they weren't calling it, you know, close all game. The guy bunting who, who's in a – 
secondary is defensive back for the Bucks. He was holding Devontae Adams all night long. He was holding defenders left and right. No calls on him. And then, you know, to go to – I mean, yes, it was an obvious pass interference, but if you're not calling it consistent, especially in that moment in that game, uh, put the whistle in your back pocket and, and we'll kind of see what happens unless it's blatantly obvious. But uh, to me, I, I, I almost wanted to, to get the NBA rule book out and call a flop there on that guy. Yeah, I mean – most of the listeners probably don't know, like, you know, Dan and I coming up through high school, you know, we, we had some disagreements when it comes to sports, but like this podcast, I don't know. I think it brought us closer together in, in our <laughs> perspectives because I'm just going to, you know, agree with him. I, I was texting back and forth with him throughout the game and especially the fourth quarter there. And to me, it was almost like he just grabbed his, like that white towel they have to, I guess, yeah. you know, um, just, they always have it on the, their person as a, an NFL player and and it, like he grabbed it for maybe half a second or a, maybe a full second if that and that was really the only contact I saw that would um, you know even be looked at I when they called when they threw that flag it just felt like the New England days all over again where it would be the fourth quarter the Patriots would be down and, and just somehow some way um, you know Brady gets the call at the right time and and you you bring up a good point uh, really a great point there that they didn't call you know, really any penalties uh, on either sides for like pass interference or pushing off any anything even close to that all game long. And for them to call it then and there, that just really, it, it's going to piss a lot of people off that don't root for Tom Brady, which I would say is probably 50% of, of the fan base of the NFL because <laughs> it's either you, you love him or hate him. But um, it just, it sucks in the fact that, I mean, I, I look at this game as such a missed opportunity for the Packers because when are you going to see Brady throw three interceptions alone in the set in a game and then all, all in the second half for them to, to come up short, you know, after opportunity, after opportunity. So it's just, it's such a shame. And, and you know, if you're Rogers, I mean, I watched, i watched his, uh, his post game inter- or post game press conference today. And uh, you know, it just sounds really, really down, really defeated. I forget exactly what he, he uh, the word he used, but um, I don't know. It just, it kind of sounds like there's a chance he might not be there next year. And, you know, it's a, it's a shame that guy has all the talent in the world. It's just the difference between like Brady and, and Rogers is like Brady always finds a way and Rogers almost, almost always finds a way not to win. So whether it's his fault or whether, you know, you look at it that way is a, is a different discussion, but just such a shame for the Packers is coming off a, you know, one of their better seasons. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, I do want to get to Rodgers here. Um, certainly, the game wasn't on, on him, as we mentioned. Um, he, he obviously, like you like you alluded to, brought up some kind of shocking, kind of alarming, kind of eye-opening uh, post-game comments and saying that he wasn't really sure what his future was going to be. He mentioned a few other free agents on the team. He wasn't really sure what anyone's future uh, was going to be. Just a, a, a kind of a dark cloud over uh, kind of a tough game. Uh, you know, Matt LaFleur was talking after the game, a reporter asked him a similar question. He said, yeah, absolutely. He'd love to have Aaron Rodgers back in the team. He mentioned he's the MVP of the league most likely. Um, and they'd kind of be stupid for not one, wanting to bring him back. But if you go back to obviously almost a year ago now, um, you know, back to last April when they draft that quarterback in the first round, um, I think that really lit a fire under Rodgers this year and had an incredible regular season, had, had a very solid um, playoff run to this point. Um, and, and I think it was, you know, partly due to, to 
motivation and, and just to prove people in, and mostly prove to his own organization um, you know, uh, that they were wrong about him. And yes, he is 36, 37 years old, but he still has, you know, three years left on his contract, um, still playing at an, at an all pro level. Um, you really have no reason at this point, um, you know, whether it's just you trying to get ahead of the curve here, but you really had no reason to a draft a quarterback or B even think about moving on from this guy at, at this point. So um, yeah, maybe it's a situation where, you know, he's kind of unhappy, obviously, you know, you kind of see Matt Stafford in, in a similar situation, I would say, um, you know, obviously they have that new regime up there, new coach, new GM in Detroit. But uh, I, I think a parting of the ways has been kind of coming for, for a long time for Detroit. And we'll get to that a little bit later, but Aaron Rodgers, I kind of look at the same way, like been with the same organization for a long time. He last won a Super Bowl 10 years ago, only has only been to one Super Bowl. Maybe it's time. Um, and he's kind of gotten some silent cues from the organization that it might be time for him to move on. So um, if that happens, like, are we even ready to see whoever the backup is, Jordan Love? Like, to me, that would just be, a, like, probably a move that sets your franchise back at least five to ten years. Uh, not only moving on from a guy who, you know, is, is a bona fide all-pro still, but also going to a guy who might not even be ready to be a starting quarterback in this league, much less ready to be a starting quarterback in a place like Green Bay. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things we we won't know until until it actually happens till till uh, you know if they move on from Rodgers. But it's one of the, you know once again it, it's like some of these organizations I do kind of trust like Green Bay. They obviously they, they didn't draft far, but they got far. You know off the the Falcons what like on a on a draft day trade I think. Um, you know they got they got Rodgers in the draft. I just feel like they're one of those teams that that won't miss. Like, I just feel like Jordan Love won't be bad. I don't know if he'll beat Rodgers. I mean, that's, that's extremely big shoes to fill and, and I'm sure he probably won't, but I think he'll be decent at least um, just because the the Packers seem to find a way to, to have somebody in there. That's always, you know, pretty solid. So I, just basing off the, the fact they, they run a pretty good organization, a pretty consistent organization. I have some somewhat of a trust in, in that kid, but, you know, like I said, it, we won't know till he's actually on the field. I don't know too, too much about him, to be honest with you, to even make comments on, on his game. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's such a shame. You know, do you move on it from a guy that's going to consistently give you a chance to win that division for uh, for a kid that, you know, might be pretty good? I, like I said, it, it'll be so hard to, to be as good as Rodgers. If he would come up in big games and win big game, big games, excuse me, um, then yeah, it was worth it. But you know, if he's just you know decent to to above average, probably wasn't worth it. So um, it's really interesting. I kind of I kind of would love to see Rodgers go somewhere else. Just I, it would open up the NFL more, and you know, it'd be cool if he even went like in the division to like the Bears or something, just because that would be like chaos kind of uh, for that division a little bit. But um, you know, we uh, we'll get into Philip Rivers later, but. That's a guy that I thought for sure would retire a charger and obviously he didn't. So you're starting to see these guys towards the end of their careers, even Brady, um, you know, take their talents elsewhere. And, and it, I think it makes the league a lot more interesting. You know, when's the last time Tampa Bay has been relevant, you know, it's been forever. So I, I say, I say, I hope he does. And I hope he has success somewhere else. Cause um, they did kind of stab him in the back a little bit. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then you bring up a good point just in terms of overall league and quarterback movement. Uh, we'll certainly 
you know, once we hit the offseason, I mean, and Adam Schefter tweeted out a list today. It was like 10-plus quarterbacks that could potentially be on the move uh, and be with new franchises next season. So it, it's certainly a topic that I want to dive deeper into and, and different scenario planning for how we think these moves are going to shake out. Obviously, the league year, the league new year doesn't start until March. Um, so like you said, we won't get an idea of um, what's going to shake out for a few more months here. And um, obviously, all of this is kind of recency bias since the game was yesterday. The comments were yesterday. He's coming off a crushing loss. I, I would I would probably categorize that as. And you know, any comments I think he makes after a game like that probably have to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, he's got to consult with his people, uh, take some time away, clear his head a little bit, um, just get back on the same page mentally um, as this organization. And then I, I'd have to think they'll. You know, they're not in they're not an organization that makes rash decisions or frankly makes wrong decisions very often. So I'd, I'd have to think they'll probably take a, a level headed approach to this and, and you know, Aaron Rodgers's future. But and this is the last thing I'll say about the Bucs in, in this Packers game. Uh, Tom Brady has been tormenting me for my entire uh, football life was drafted, I think, in 1999, maybe 2000. I was, you know, we were obviously born in 96. Um, so really, once I became a football fan, I was fully aware of who Tom Brady was as a person, as a player. The first Super Bowl I ever remember watching um, was Eagles Patriots 2004. Um, I don't need to remind Aaron of what happened during that matchup. Uh, Tom Brady <laughs> is going to his 10th Super Bowl in 20 years. He's playing this 10th Super Bowl for his potentially seventh ring on my birthday. If this guy wins a Super Bowl ring, wins a, another championship, adds that to his already you know, Hall of Fame career 10 times over. Uh, if he adds that to his resume, I, I don't know if we can continue this podcast because I would just be a sad and depressed person um, if, if that does happen. But uh, God, if God is listening out there, if you're, if you're out there or the football gods are out there, uh, please, please, please do not let this guy ruin, ruin my birthday. I don't want anything else from it, any of my friends or family. I just want Tom Brady to lose and, and hopefully lose and, uh, in an embarrassing uh, form or fashion at, at that rate. Yeah, no, for for the Super Bowl to be on your birthday is, I would say, awesome. But in this scenario, you know, less awesome just because of obviously Brady being in that game. Um, but at, at the same at the same token, you know, you got to look at it with a a glass half full approach. You know, it is Mahomes, it is the Chiefs. They are the reigning Super Bowl champions. Um, you pick those. You pick the Chiefs from the start, so uh, your look, your uh, your pick is is looking pretty good. I I kind of figured just I, I Dan and I talked about this off air that somehow some way like I I said if Tampa Bay you know enters the playoffs they, they like somehow they'll get to the Super Bowl. So, um, but at the same time like Dan from the start from the jump of the season said the Chiefs all the way. So. Um, I sure hope he's right. I, I'm, I'm rolling with the Chiefs as well. I can't, I can't possibly pick the Buccaneers. I don't want them to win. But uh, yeah, it's if, if the Chiefs come out victorious, you know, won't, won't be such a bad day. And I think it'll be ex an exciting game. Uh, but I really can't stand the matchup because I'm, I'm beginning to, to not develop a hatred for Kansas City, but I, I'm already sick of it. So I was <laughs> hoping Buffalo, I was hoping Green Bay would win somehow. I didn't think it was going to happen. But I and then I one at Buffalo and didn't really think that was going to happen, but you know, I was over two over the weekend on, on the teams I wanted to win. So we'll see. I, I think the chiefs will, uh, will come out victorious in that Super Bowl. But like, uh, like I tell Dan all the time, it's so hard to bet against Tom Brady. So I, it, 
once again, I say this all the time, but it, it really, really could go either way. I, I truly believe that. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I, I think the more impressive pick is Aaron has been saying that, that little, little anecdote about the, the Bucks and, and, and Tom Brady all season. Anyone, you know, who has any sort of sense of the NFL has been uh, picking the Chiefs from the onset. If you go back to this podcast earlier, uh, in, you know, earlier last year before the season got started, Aaron had been talking about the Bucks. I frankly dismissed it because I thought there was no chance in hell that would happen. If you asked me even two weeks ago, I, I would have thought there's no chance in hell as uh, the Bucks would have gotten would have got to the Super Bowl, much less have a home playoff game. Uh, but nonetheless, here we are, uh, and it is becoming and my nightmare is becoming a reality uh, to say the least. But let's get Aaron. Let's get to the to the Chiefs Bills. Um, I do want to touch on this game briefly uh, and, and kind of dissect it a little bit. Obviously, just the domination um, from the Chiefs flat out. I mean, Mahomes 29 for 38, uh, 325 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Tyree Kill, nine catches, 172 yards. Um, they, they win 38 to 24. It, it kind of felt like they were winning, you know, 55 to three at various points during the game. Um, Patrick Mahomes, obviously coming off that concussion, he was in concussion protocol uh, the entire week. I think anybody knew anyone who, who had any sense of, you know, idea of the moment or any sense of, of an idea of the NFL knew he was going to play. We said this last week on this podcast that there was no chance you could keep him away from this game. Um, I, I think just with his limitations, and he, he obviously was suffering from turf toe, I think. I mean, he, he was – at one point in the second half, he went on a design run, I think, um, and was able to get 10 yards just because the defense knew, you know, he wasn't going to run. And then those lanes started to open up, so we started to take advantage. But even with all his limitations, um, even with the shell of the offensive line, that the Chiefs have at one point they put it up on the broadcast, but the only first round pick they had on that offensive line, uh, or the only person really drafted before like the fifth or sixth round on the offensive line was their left tackle, Eric Fisher, um, who, who did get hurt in that game, you know, oddly enough yesterday and will be out for the Super Bowl. So even with them starting a shell of an offensive line um, and, and kind of having a suspect running back room, they're still able to be so dominant uh, and so good. Just a testament to how, good of a coach Andy Reid is, how good of a quarterback Patrick Mahomes is, and just how good of a system uh, the Chiefs in general have. And to me, it's like, it's really nothing that I've ever seen before. Obviously, we lived through that 2007 um, Patriots team that ended up losing to the Giants in the Super Bowl. But that team was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And, and I think this team just takes it to a whole other level with how dominant and how many different ways they're able to beat you and attack you um, on any given moment. Because if you take away the run – if you take away the short passing game, like you can take away, you know, Tyree Kill, you can take away Travis Kelsey, and they'll just keep coming back and, you know, moving those chess pieces all around the chessboard and find different ways to be effective. So I've really never seen this before, you know, in my lifetime. I don't think we'll see a team, you know, once we're all said and done here and they win like 10 fucking Super Bowls, we won't really see probably a team like this, in, you know, moving forward. But I, I guess are we just sort of along the ride, uh, along the ride here for, for, with the Chiefs, or do you think the Bucs have any chance of beating them? Um, you know, I, I'll, just because Tom Brady's playing in the game, I, I, give, uh, I give the Buccaneers a chance. I think the Buccaneers have a very good defense. Um, you know, I think the Buccaneers can, can give Mahomes a little bit of trouble at times. I think maybe, you know, they pick him off once, uh, probably not twice, but uh, – I think I think it, it's just so hard on on paper. I think obviously the Chiefs are are better. The Chiefs are are more athletic of a team where the Buccaneers kind of come at you with um, just 
huge bodies for one. I mean, you got Fournette for for an example, just you know running over people. Um, but I just feel like the Chiefs are still going to be too much overall. I mean, the only concern, like like you bring that up, I, and I was listening to a a couple other shows today that people, uh, you know, they're talking about how how much of a shell that offensive line truly is. That that does concern me. Um, I think if you know, obviously, if they get a lot of pressure on Mahomes, that can cause can cause problems. Um, but I think the Chiefs' defense has come a long way in the last just season alone. Yeah, I mean, you know, thinking about and and really, really, really looking at the the, the Chiefs' offensive line, that is a concern. I think, but at the same time, you know, as long as they can give Mahomes just a little bit of time to throw, I I think, you know, you get it off to a guy like. Like Kelsey, obviously, um, you know, they, they just Tyree kill. They have so many weapons. It, like, like Dan brings it up all the time. There's so many different ways they can beat you. Um, these teams did match up, you know, on uh, November 29th in the regular season where Kansas City put 17 points on Tampa Bay in the first quarter. Uh, and then it kind of, you know, it was a level game after that. And actually Tampa Bay um, scored 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and ended up being just a 27-24 game. Uh, so, you know, it was a game where it was back and forth. Uh, it was a game where it was tightly contested. So I could see that happening once again. I think if the Chiefs can get any type of running game going, not that I, I anticipate them running the ball a ton, but if they can just, you know, offset their passing game with the running game, it's going to be a, a tall task to, for Tampa Bay to stop. But I know Tampa Bay really didn't let – Green Bay run the ball at all yesterday. So I still think the Chiefs pull this out some way or somehow some way, even with that, that offensive line that's in shambles. But uh, I do think once again, it'll probably be close and I think it'll be higher scoring and I'm, and I'm hoping for a higher scoring game. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I, I see it at the moment. Yeah. I'm hoping for an absolute shootout. Um, uh, you mentioned you mentioned the run game, which is a great point. I wanted to just emphasize, like um, Aaron Jones for for the Packers had six carries for like thirty yards. Like if and the Packers still probably should have won that game. So if you can get any sort of production, you know, out of Edwards, Alaire, out of Williams, you know, Flavion Bell plays. Like if any of those guys come in there and give you fifty to seventy five yards, maybe a touchdown or two on the goal line, I'd have to think just to, just to even keep the defense a little bit honest, dude. Like. In my yeah. in my opinion, like Rogers throwing fifty times, got pretty predictable. You saw the pass rush late in that game. Obviously, they kind of figured out that they weren't going to run the ball, especially when they were down late in the second half. Um, you know, you saw Shaq uh, Shaq Barrett, JPP, Vita Vea was even in there, which is crazy. Like that D line is pretty fierce, and and you mentioned the offensive line again. Like I, it, that that'll be the matchup to watch. Like I, I think Pat Mahomes and, and the Chiefs do a good job of scheming against that. And even if he's not as mobile as he typically is, I, I think they'll be they'll figure out a way to combat it at, at least a little bit. And then and then I think they'll still be successful. But like you said, if they can get any sort of a, a run game in there against Tampa Bay and that defense, I think they do um, end up being somewhat successful just just because they'll be able to mix it up. You know, no no team, in my opinion, is better at like disguising what kind of play they're about to run. Or even if, you know, even that little like shovel pass that Mahomes tosses to Kelsey for that touchdown. Like, I, I didn't know he scored to like five seconds after he was done celebrating that fucking the guy caught me so off guard. So like, if they, if they can continue <laughs> to run plays like that, and honestly, if you take their playbook and and kind of 
put on a dartboard, throw a dart at a play and run it, I think they'd still be successful against any defense, you know, much less this Bucks D. But uh, yeah, it'll be a good matchup. We'll certainly, I do want to dive into to that matchup as a whole. We'll dive into all the stats. We'll get with the research department here, figure out some key little nuggets to touch on next week um, since we do have that off week. But in terms of the, the rest of the AFC and, and obviously the Bills here, uh, who, who, who have a fantastic team on paper um, and, and get all the way to the AFC Championship game just to get blown out by the Chiefs. Wh- where do you think the Bills go from here? And, you know, is this conference, you know, Patrick Mahomes' conference, you know, kind of kind of similar how Tom Brady dominated the conference, you know, obviously when he was in New England for the last 19 years. Um, is this kind of his conference to dominate, you know, the next 10 to 15 years or – do you see anyone really, you know, catching up to them and, and kind of giving a run for his money um, kind of here down the line? Yeah, that's, you know, that's the million dollar question is, is are the Chiefs going to go on a, on a dynasty run? You could even make the argument if they win this one, you know, back to back that, you know, creates a dynasty for them. So uh, it, it's, you know, the Bills coming in, I, I it, it's it's so crazy to me because like the Bills, I mean, granted, Lamar Jackson went out of the game, but they absolutely dominated Baltimore and right. and it's Baltimore can't get ever over the hump of Kansas city. So it's like, all right, now you have a team that's, that might be better on than Baltimore. Um, I think if Baltimore got a, a you know, I, I've not been the biggest Lamar fan from the, from the start. I think <laughs> if, Baltimore, if Baltimore found the right, like the right quarterback for that, for that team. And I'm more so like a, I'm not going to say a pocket passer, but a guy that Joe Flacco. You know, just, yeah, like just a guy that I don't know. I mean, if if I'm and this might sound crazy, but if I'm Baltimore, like maybe I try and go out and get Matt Stafford. Like I I don't know. It's it's Ooh. no there's no no possible way it's probably Ooh. gonna happen. But I, I just okay. I feel like if if Baltimore is, you know, if if they're the team that that can't get over the Bills hump and then the Bills can't get over the Chiefs hump, it's like, you know, who who can beat the Chiefs? Who who else is in that conference that can really give the Chiefs a, an issue? And and I don't really. <laughs> at the moment see one um you know it's really tough to say going forward i i think the chiefs fall off this ladder eventually i i don't think it lasts forever but i think the chiefs probably have like at least two more good years in them after this this season and it's just like you know you bring up all the good points with they can beat you so many different ways they have so many like athletes at this point they have so many so many guys that you know you give them the ball and they and they take it for 20 30 yards when it should have been just a a 5 10 yard completion so when you have when you have Kelsey, when you have Tyreek Hill, and, and just now you, you're starting to establish a running game and and a defense on top of having Mahomes, it's 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 overwhelming and it, it's a lot to account for. And and the fact that I've never seen a team that can like get behind uh, even three touchdowns and just yeah bang right back in the game and and then they find a way to win. I remember like distinctly the when the Texans played them, I think it was like two years ago now that uh you know they were up like 24 nothing or 21 nothing at one point and then the Chiefs just came back and scored like 48 unanswered points it's just it's on un, it's unheard of and and I remember when people were saying like Seattle was going to be that team like the Legion of Boom the Russell Wilson Marshawn Lynch th- this team would demolish that that Seattle team I'm, I'm almost sure of it and oh yeah and people were making the, the argument of, of a dynasty then th- this team is as much as I don't like to admit it, because I, I don't want to see another like New England Patriots style domination of the NFL. I'd love for it to be more wide open. It's at the moment, I don't see anybody really, really 
at least in the AFC, giving them a problem at, at the moment. I think, you know, if you're Pittsburgh, you're Baltimore, you're, you're, you're still, you know, a few players, a few, a few, you know, uh, years maybe even from, from giving them a real legitimate challenge. I, I look at, I look at it this way. Uh, I, I think the AFC is, is clearly superior than the NFC. And, and you can even make that argument further with breeze leaving, you know, with, with Stafford potentially leaving the NFC with Brady, obviously getting older with Rogers getting older. Like if you look at the, the three teams who are left in the NFC, it was, you know, the, the bucks, obviously the, the Packers, and the Saints, and the fourth team was the Rams. Those four quarter – I mean, Jared Goff obviously isn't a franchise quarterback, but those three quarterbacks are not going to be in the league in the next two to three years. Maybe Rodgers is, but I, I doubt it. So, to me, there's really no team in the NFC that can challenge the Chiefs beyond this season. Then you go over the AFC, obviously, like you said, you have the Bills, you have the Ravens, the Browns, Steelers are there. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, depending on – you know if he goes to the Dolphins or Jets, maybe – you kind of throw whatever team who has him in there into the conversation. But like, if, if they remain intact and I mean, we're not even talking about their defense, which played phenomenally uh, I think last night and has played phenomenally, you know, over the past probably five to six weeks. Um, I, I just don't foresee a team even coming close to sniffing them. And, you know, we, we were like, like you said, we were saying the exact same things about Seattle back in the day in 2014, that Super Bowl. You know, they're coming down the water. They get to the goal line. Russell Wilson throws a pick. The Patriots win the game. And, and that, that franchise was changed forever. Obviously, the defense was dismantled shortly after that. Russell Wilson remains there, but really hasn't been able to do much in the playoffs, um, you know, since that game. So, to me, I, I, unless, I mean, unless we're talking about a different story here in two weeks, I don't think there's many things that can really derail, you know, this this team. And, and they, they've managed to withstand injuries. They've managed to withstand – losing players to free agency, you know, just to have this quality of a team on offense and defense in the salary cap era is just really insane to me. Obviously the, the Patriots were able to fit their guys in a system, but they made a living doing it off of, you know, scrappy players. But to me, like the, the, the chiefs just have so many big name players who come up in spots time and time and time again. And like, I don't see anyone in the NFC and it's really challenging them unless the bills can, get a whole lot better, a whole lot, you know, quicker. Um, I don't really force anyone in the AFC challenging them either, which really is insane to say. And you kind of said the same thing there with the Warriors and Golden State when, when Durant was there. Like, if he would have stayed, they obviously would have still had the league by the balls. But, like, they have the, – the Chiefs have the NFL by the balls right now. There's really no getting away from them. Yeah, if you would if you would have told me, you know – this is coming from obviously an Eagles fan, but but when Andy Reid leaves uh, the Eagles to go to the Chiefs, that they would be like the dominant force of the entire league. Like, don't get me wrong, Andy Reid had his time in Philly, and and they were going to, you know, they went four straight NFC championships, one of those resulting in a, a Super Bowl appearance. Um, you know, obviously coming up short in the in the Super Bowl, but if you would have told me he he would be the coach of, uh, you know, the the best team in football and and really the best offense in football by far. Um, you know, that would shock me just because they've gotten so dangerous on, on the, especially like the offensive side of the ball. And it, it's just, I've never really, it, it's really a video game to them that how easy it looks. And, and even in Seattle's day, I mean, yeah, their defense at times made it look easy, but it was never like this effortless on offense where, you know, I, just scoring over 30 points to them is like nothing. Like scoring three touchdowns in one quarter is nothing. It's just, it's it's astounding and 
like like I say to Dan all the time, I, I just get sick of like seeing domination. Like I would have loved to see an upset. I just I don't want the the Chiefs to continue to win like this. But um, you know, I would love to see him win in two weeks on Sunday. But yeah, after they get their second ring, Aaron doesn't want them to win anymore. After they knock Brady out of the league, they, they we want someone else to get in there for sure. But <laughs> I'm you know. cool with that. But, but probably doesn't happen. But that'd yeah. be cool. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, that's, those are those two games. Those are those two championship games. Um, really, both of them I thought were were pretty good games until you know that that Chiefs Bills game um, kind of got out of hand. But you know, it's it's certainly one of my favorite sports weekends of the year where you can just kind of sit on the couch and just you know realize that you're going to see some greatness there for the next few hours. Um, you know, hopefully our teams one day can. <laughs> Aaron can get back to that point. Uh, I certainly don't foresee it happening next year, but hopefully within the lifespan of this podcast, uh, it certainly happens. Um, but moving over to some other quarterback movement, we we alluded to it a little bit earlier. Uh, Matt Stafford uh, came out last week that Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions are going to part ways this offseason. Um, kind of, I think it was sort of a mutual decision. I don't think there's really any animosity between the two parties. Um Matt Stafford, obviously, it really, you know, took that franchise from a laughing stock. I think he came in the year after they went 0-16, or maybe he went 0-16, um, but but really turned that franchise around into gaining somewhat of, of a respect uh, reputation around the league. And then for the past few years, have obviously shit the bed with Matt Patricia, just, you know, putting their franchise back down into the, into the toilet. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's interesting, too, that a lot of teams, I think, as, as seems to happen a lot in the NFL, need quarterbacks this offseason. So why don't you give me a few teams or, or maybe a team or two that you think might, you know, and you mentioned the Ravens earlier might be a good fit, but um, maybe maybe a few teams, maybe one team in the AFC, maybe one team in the NFC who you kind of think might be a good fit for Stafford services and maybe a place that, you know, while is realistic, but also could benefit from having, you know, kind of a quarterback of that stature, you know, in, injected into an organization. Yeah, um, it's. I've always been a Matt Stafford guy. I think he has been an extremely talented quarterback on a on a terrible team and, and in a terrible franchise for that matter. They they just don't ever seem to to figure it out, whether it be um, you know draft picks or just they they just can't win. So um, for for Stafford to move on, I, I I could see him maybe going. I'm I'm looking at a couple teams here that that need a quarterback. You know, obviously uh, Washington football team comes to mind. Uh, you know, I don't think Alex – I don't even know the future of Alex Smith at this point. Um, you got Dwayne Haskins going to the Steelers, which I was shocked about that one. Um, <laughs> New big I think ben. that's a waste of time. But, um, you know, maybe I'll eat my words. I doubt it, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> Chicago, I don't know. I'm not even sure about – you know, I don't trust, trust Mitchell Trubisky. He can look – you know, he can look really good for a couple of games and then kind of – phase out and, and, and play super inconsistent. So I, I just feel like he's not, he's not a franchise guy. He's kind of like a, maybe a, a worse version of Jerry Goff or, or something like that to me. Um, Nick Foles, I don't know what Nick Foles future is there. He just, no matter if he doesn't, if he's not in Philly, he just doesn't seem to figure it out anywhere else. So uh, I think that's a possibility. Uh, the Jaguars, I mean, you, you could, see that happening but at the same time you know you're probably going to bring in Trevor Lawrence in the draft uh and then and then really I'm looking at just a a couple other teams here both both from New York I mean you got the Giants with Daniel Jones I don't know if you 
if you roll with him for another year, I, I think I actually probably would. I, I don't think he's absolutely terrible. I, think I would, that, I would too. I think that team's a little bit uh, on the rise, actually, you know, their defense really stepped up down the stretch last season. So um, they might be getting better. They might be turning the corner and at least being competitive once again in that NFC East or NFC least, if you want to call it. Huh. And then, and then obviously the, the jets, uh, you know, you can go any which way with, with Daniel's uh, New York jets on, on, you know, what they're going to do with a quarterback, draft a guy, sign a guy. I mean, I, the, the talks of Deshaun Watson heating up, I, I think that would excite uh, most jets fans. If, God, if not yeah. all. So I, I, when I heard that, I, that shocked me, but I'm, I'm personally happy for uh, Matt Stafford. And, and if Matt Stafford, Deshaun Watson and Rogers all, you know, all three of those switch teams, that, that would make for a, an exciting year next year, I would say. It would almost be like we're in the NBA. I feel like with all, with all that movement, honestly, it would it'd remind me of basketball. I'll, I'll give you a team. I'll give you the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. mentioned the, the retirement of the retirement of Phil Rivers. Um, if you're going to look to trade a guy, um, I, I'd have to think that the Lions, you know, probably trade him to, you know, maybe an AFC team. And, and not, not, not to mention the fact that I have no idea why you'd want to trade a guy like that. Um, maybe, maybe he kind of initiated it. I'm not really sure, but I, I know they have a new, new coach, new GM, but you're picking seventh in my opinion in the draft. Like, are you going to get a good quarterback at seven? Maybe, maybe not. You're probably gonna have to trade up. Uh, and, and in terms of free agency, maybe a trade for, or in terms of free agency, maybe you get a guy, uh, maybe a veteran veteran can hold it over for a year or two, maybe a trade for a guy like Donald or someone like that. Uh, but to me, like, why not keep a guy, let him finish it out, maybe build around him a little bit, but I, I digress. But back to the Colts, you know, you got T.Y. Hilton, you got Mowally Cox in there as tight end, you got Jack Doyle in there as a tight end, you got Michael Pittman Jr., you got on the back end for running backs, you got Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines. On the offensive line, you got Quentin Nelson. I think that team and that defense is, is pretty good too. I'm not even going to mention the defense with Houston, Buckner, all those guys out there. Um, you know, Xavier Rhodes, Darius Slender. I think that team more than anyone else is probably built to win. And and I think a team like that, you'd be probably certainly, a, uh, you, you I guess you would rather part with a first round pick and then, you know, be competitive. Obviously you're only going to go as far as Phillip Rivers can take you. I think that's a, a clear upgrade over Rivers Stafford is. And, and with an offense like that, um, and maybe all you, all you really need to get uh, to give up is a first round pick. And you, know, you, you kind of have the rest of your draft to either continue to build up that defense or maybe throw a few pieces around and maybe another wide receiver, maybe an offensive lineman or two. Um, and then certainly they'd be back in the playoffs. Obviously maybe, you know, kind of challenge the Bills or the Chiefs there for, for kind of the AFC, AFC crown. But uh, to me, that kind of makes the most sense. I know, um, you know, obviously the Colts have been trying to find their heir apparent to Andrew Luck for the past few years. I still have Jacoby Brissett on the books, but I, I think they'll probably cut him or trade him if, if he's not a free agent already. So um, to go for that veteran route, I think in terms of where they're picking in the draft, it probably makes sense to – to go out and trade for a known commodity or, you know, uh, or, or, you know, get a free agent commodity just because it, where you're picking the draft, you're probably not going to draft a, a Mac Jones or a Kyle Trask type. You're probably looking to get someone who's kind of already proven in this league. And uh, to me, that just, that just kind of makes all the sense in the world if I'm looking at it from a, from a bird's eye view for sure. Yeah, no, I, that's a team that totally slipped my mind. And, and I was thinking earlier in the week that, 
as soon as that came down the the wire that Philip Rivers was hanging it up, I was a little disappointed. I I've always been a Philip Rivers supporter. I, I wish he would have got a ring, and I, I always will. But you know, maybe maybe just maybe that that opens the door for Carson Wentz to get to get the heck out of Philadelphia at this point, <laughs> and, uh, and and you know hit the road, Jack, and and don't come back no more. So uh, you know that that that's what came to my mind as soon as I saw that happen, and. And, you know, I'm kind of hopeful they, they can get out of that contract just because it's – I'm not saying Wentz is a scrub. I don't think he is. I, I think in the right system it'll work. I, I think it's just he needs a new change of scenery. We we need to move on from that. And as much as Jeffrey Lurie seems to, like, absolutely adore Carson Wentz, it seems like, and and adore Howie Roseman even more so. But, um, you know, I think it's time for, for them to try and move him. And, and obviously with Frank Reich being their coach, that, that would be – the best situation for uh, for Wentz and, and all parties involved there. Yeah, I I apologize, Aaron. This completely slipped my mind. The Eagles hired a new coach since our last podcast. I was so focused on Tom Brady hopefully getting his ass kicked in the playoffs. I completely forgot <laughs> uh, to mention this guy. What's his name? How do you pronounce this guy's name? Uh, it's Nick Serini. Cer- I hope I'm saying that right. Serini. So Italian. It's got to be Italian. Got to be. It has to be. It'll, it'll fit right in with Philly. Uh, I completely forgot forgot to mention this, but I did hear uh, through a little bird that uh, this guy was brought in to almost, like you said, he came from the cult organization, almost brought in to be a Frank Reich Jr. of sorts. Uh, I also heard that um, he, you know, Lurie wants to keep Wentz, and hopefully this guy's the one to kind of figure out what to do with him. But uh, do you think this kind of, I guess, sparks the movement to keep Wentz uh, and kind of ride it out with? Uh, two quarterbacks again or, or where do you see this kind of playing out yeah it's it's super interesting I, I'm glad you bring up the fact they got a new coach it kind of just seemed to happen out of nowhere I, I didn't really even hear this name be thrown around a lot um, you know I did some more research um, you know he worked this guy worked under Frank Reich for the last three years so I think he's got the tie the tie to Wentz there at, at least you know picking up from from what Frank Reich ha- had taught him and and what you know, the Colts have, have had some pretty good success the last couple of years. I think that that kind of plays into Carson Wentz's hand uh, to a certain extent. But this this organization has done weirder things and and they kind of leave everybody in the dark. And, and, and they've they've said one thing and, and done the other. So uh, I, I'm so 50 50 on if they'll move him or not. I I think they I think they'll ultimately try to. I don't know if they will just because of that contract, but I, I still think they'll. They will try to unless uh, Serini, the new coach, really sees, uh, you know, what what uh, other people see in Wentz from a couple of seasons ago at this point. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm 50 50 on it. I wouldn't I would love to see him move Wentz just because of the contract. I think that would open that team up to to restructure. And, and I think, you know, obviously they have to draft better. They have to sign better players and and, and then bringing back the same general manager is a, is a serious issue for me. Uh, I think, you know, if if this general manager outlasts another coach or uh, even lasts for another two or three seasons without uh, significant success, like that, that's a big mistake. So, um, you know, just a, to, a little tidbit, just a little bit of info on him. I mean, he's he's 39 years old, second second youngest Eagles coach, uh, just four months younger than when uh, Dick Vermeil was hired back in the back in the day, back in the day. But, uh, you know, former wide receivers coach at IUP. Uh, so, you oh, know, yeah. started out small. Definitely started out small. I, I usually party. Right, there you go. Um, 
you know, that's the Pennsylvania school for, for our listeners out of state. Maybe they haven't even heard of that school. You know, maybe <laughs> That's possible. So, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely interesting times. I, I don't hate the hire. I think he, he was in a successful system. Now, uh, you know, this is his first head coaching job. Like, uh, like Daniel's guy on, on the, on the jets, you know, it, it's a whole new ball game when you're the, when you're running the show. But uh, I, I like the, uh, I like to have some optimism. I think he's, he, like I said, he was in a successful uh, system there in Indianapolis. And even when they had, uh, what's his name? Something Dorsett. I forget his name, but um, the quarterback, the quarterback that came over from New England, I think. Uh, drawing a blank, but. Jacoby? Jacoby, yeah, there you go. Jacoby Bursett, or Bursett, whatever, it doesn't matter. He, he doesn't play really anymore. <laughs> but uh, uh, regardless, yeah, they had success there, even with, even at him, uh, even with him at quarterback. So I, I think that offense was successful. I think, I think this guy will bring, uh, you know, maybe some different energy. And, and just a, like Daniel says a lot, and I'm, I'm going to steal that quote from him, but a, a different voice, and I think it's needed. Yeah. And I, I just hope they can they can sign the right players because you're only uh, – you're playing with the cards you, you're dealt. So uh, if they continue to draft horribly, they will continue to, to struggle and, and not really make any type of noise in the playoffs at the very least. So I'm excited, but, uh, you know, I hope things start to change. I know – uh, Deuce, Deuce Staley, the uh, the running backs coach who was considered for the head coaching job, he he went to the the Lions today, and then yeah. people are saying that's a big loss from a, a leadership standpoint. So that's a shame. I, I don't like to see that. And then uh, one thing that was positive is Press Taylor, who's who's kind of he was Doug Peterson's right hand man. He is uh, no longer with the team. Uh, I think that was on uh, the team's decision to to go a different way. So I think that's a positive just because. It uh, doesn't seem like that guy is the smartest tool in the shed when it comes to, <laughs> to, to offensive play calling. So definitely, uh, definitely a team moving in, in a different direction. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm, I have an optimistic point of view at, at the moment. And, and hopefully we can at least improve from, from horrible last season. No, that's, uh, that's great to hear. Again, hand up. I apologize. I, I completely missed the boat on that one. I, I obviously, we, we texted a little bit about, the hiring of, of this guy and, and uh, you know, earlier in the week, it got, certainly gets overshadowed by the games yesterday, but certainly this podcast, I, I did a disservice to you by not bringing that up right away. But uh, yeah, glad that you guys finally have an aligned voice um, within the building. I've heard nothing but good things about this guy. Um, you know, if he's good enough for Frank Reich, I think he's, you know, probably good enough for the Eagles. Um, and, you know, hopefully, he, you know, he, he's, he's obviously, you know, pegged as uh, sort of an offensive guru. Um, and hopefully he can be a quarterback whisperer of sorts, um, like Aaron alluded to. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I think I think it's, it's, it's an exciting time for both uh, the Jets and the Eagles right now, just because we have some sort of optimism and who knows, uh, you know, come September, it'll probably blow up in both of our faces. But at least, folks, <laughs> let us be optimistic um, for once in our lives, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. At the end of the day, the, the really the only way to go up, the, the only way to go is up from here. So that's how I look at it. I mean, both both these teams really can't be worse than last season. Um, I mean, I guess they, realistically they could both go winless. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope to see a, a different style of football, at least on, on the Eagles. And I'm sure Dan can say the same for the Jets. At least, uh, at least look forward to, to some type of, um, you know, excitement on Sundays, whether it be, you know, at least scoring more points or, 
just playing with a different a different energy, a different vibe to the whole team. Exactly right. All right, folks. Um, I think I think that's it for tonight. Um, you know, hopefully you, you all enjoy the championship games. And um, like I said earlier, we'll certainly bring a, a full preview, a full breakdown of the Super Bowl matchup between the Bucks and the Chiefs. Um, it'll certainly be a great game, I think, from the league perspective. You know, Brady gets Mahomes. It's kind of Jordan versus LeBron. Um, if I, if I can steal a line from basketball, so uh, I think from a league's perspective, they probably couldn't be happier. Uh, I certainly, you know, am not going to be happy. Not going to be happy if, if the Bucks pull this one out, and I'm going to be overjoyed if the Chiefs do end up winning. But uh, like I said, we'll have a full breakdown for you. Hopefully, um, you know, we get some to some other moves within the NFL here. Or maybe um, we get to some other, other news and some other sports as well with baseball looking to, to start up soon. So, but appreciate, uh, you know, you all taking the time to listen. And Aaron, uh, why don't you take us home? Yeah, look forward to uh, look forward to the big game in, in a couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, I just hope more and more of these quarterbacks really, uh, you know, leave the, the current teams are on because I think um, <laughs> that would make make the league a, a lot more uh, wide open, a lot more exciting, and and maybe put some of these franchises uh, like Indianapolis, you know, back in the not that they, you know, obviously they made the playoffs this year, but just just make these teams uh, even more competitive and and just kind of open it up and. and you know, it'd be a, a wide open league next year. And, and hopefully, you know, as Dan and I talk about all the time, that, that Brady doesn't win this one just because it seems like he, he continues to win no matter where he's at and, and under what circumstances, no matter what it is, it, he pulls it off. So that just leave you with that. Take us home. <laughs>